Welcome once again to this bonus episode of Trash Future, that podcast you're listening to right now. I'm Riley from sunny, undisclosed location, and it is indeed sunny. And that's it for Weather Corner today. We are joined also by Nate in another (laughs) undisclosed location. Hello, me, Nate, here, finally back on the podcast. (laughs) I don't know what to say because it's been so long. I've lost my podcasting mojo. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm just here to ramble and talk about sports in the late 90s and early 2000s. Because apparently I'm I'm that genre of dad. Mm. That's right. Uh, We also have uh, Milo Edwards, uh, the quarterback of the show, some say. Hey, uh, it's me, your boy. Uh, I'm in a very undisclosed location because one of my girlfriend's reply guys has threatened to fight me for describing one of her nudes as (laughs) (laughs) half-hearted. I'm on the run. And field goal. It's Alice Caldwell-Kelly in Glasgow. (laughs) That's right, yeah. Uh (laughs) (laughs) my most dad's traits liking american football Uh, Mm. um and also we are very pleased to be joined by eleanor the slapshot yanaga uh (laughs) going medieval on twitter because that's right it's time to talk about some medieval shit again you know because Mm. lord knows a lot of things seem to be relevant that were happening between like 900 and 1400 I personally have been thinking a lot about Constantinople mm. yes. and if I, whether or not I'd be willing to become a eunuch so I can be a footstool for Basileus Nicholas Sturgeon. <laughs> Damn, only, only 900s kids will remember. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's, so that's why I'm doing this shit. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, to be honest, when the economy collapses and the only money you can make is in podcasting, you are in some capacity the same as the free companies just marauding for yes. doing whatever the fuck you want, you know, exactly. Yeah, podcast Varangians. That's, that's our future. As we, <laughs> we form like a kind of foreign Janissary core. It's going to be great. I'm excited that I now have like an actual career to look forward to. Mm. <laughs> no, uh, podcasters are all going to be the Kenneclayoi of, uh, of the future. We're all just walking around keeping the ink stands of our Glorious masters. <laughs> well, El- Eleanor, I'll have you know that I recently finished Barbara Tuckman's Distant Mirror, probably not a very good book. It's the one single book I've read about the medieval era, and so now I'm going to lecture you about stuff you did a PhD oh, in, God. because that's right. just kind of guy I am. <laughs> Barbara Tuckman would be an awesome drag name. Oh my God, that's that is right. so true. <laughs> that's right. That's uh, right. I, you know, I actually personally uh, quite like that book. I mean, it's not you know, perfect, but I think that is a really fun one to read, and I always like recommend it for people who are looking for more, and I always like to rant about the Duke of Cussy to my students. That's like the, my major takeaway is like, I learned how to say a French name. The Duke of Cussy is a fucking bitch. I know. I'd like to see him show his face around here and talk so, shit about me. So. All, all of the medieval hip interpersonal history was just wife guy shit. Oh yeah. Like, just unveiling a huge parchment that's like, I guess if I'm going to be within crossbow distance, I should like... <laughs> don't, write, don't write epistulae to my wife, yeah, okay? Exactly. <laughs> Stop writing sonnets to my wife. Like, now. But, but I want, I'm, I'm thinking about, about, the, about the Byzantine era. I'm thinking about the keepers of the imperial inkstand. Uh, I'm thinking, of course, yet again, about journalism. Because before we go into the medieval stuff and a startup that I have, we have to report on the reporting. Because that's right, the UK's mm. fearless core of Woodwards and Bernsteins who fearlessly <laughs> transcribe what the government tells them uh, 
fear fearful of no reply on Twitter from like thick Lenin four twenty who calls them a client journalist. Um, <laughs> they have finally broken a story that is not favorable to the government. Yeah, so they give them one piece of journalism a year. Yeah, yeah. They mm. did. It's like a Canadian. It's like Canadian content rules on CBC. If you want to keep getting the channel funded, you need to do like one piece of journalism a year. Yeah, uh, and it's so like it, it has the same kind of sense of like obligation to it. Like it's not even. Uh, it's on the front page. This story that they've broken, but it's not yeah, but the not headline. The front page. No, it's yeah. a tiny <laughs> so, little corner of it. It's great. So, so here's what happened. Mm. Um, basically, the news has now broken that. Uh, the UK government, in the terms of Boris Johnson and Matt Hancock, you can't really blame Hancock. Um, I'll try. You know, they were they were warned of the <laughs> specifics of the of the coronavirus epidemic, exactly what the shortcomings of the UK uh, would be in its response without immediate action, exactly what would happen if we didn't uh, lock down. And they basically, this re- Sunday Times reporting has shown that they just ignored all of this advice because yeah. they. I don't know, we're ideologically opposed to the government yeah, doing but anything. Boris, Boris just inserted both AirPods, turned up Blur's country house for a week, <laughs> uh, yeah. and just and just kind of like, was just vibing. He just went on holiday. Yeah, <laughs> That's actually what coronavirus is, is when you just listen to Blur's country house on full volume for a week. Oh fuck, I can't handle it, that's it. I'm definitely so, self-isolating. I mean, I just, I always mm. thought that you could basically make that song applicable to most Tory politicians by just changing the lyrics so it becomes... He lives in a house, very big house, being racist. <laughs> so here's the here's the thing, though, right? I've got a duck house, a free duck house from the taxpayer. <laughs> so, Welcome to the 90s podcast. Here's the thing. I don't know anything about your <laughs> 90s. Parks? Your precious 90s. But okay, so, for park life is about closing the parks. We can't reference any bitchin' 90s alternative rock jams from Canada because there's not enough Moxie Fruvius fans on this show. <laughs> yeah, so what the I'm sure there's all a guess who song that is like perfect uh. for this. <laughs> not What's a up? nice climate, a micro climate in Niagara. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. So I, I want to I want to say what the significance of this thing is this Times piece uh, precisely fucking nothing uh, because all of the people who this could possibly turn against Boris Johnson from the MPs to the electorate would need to be personally killed by coronavirus in order to turn them against him. It's hmm. going to do completely nothing except make a bunch of journalists lose their shit about paywalls. I mean, because, I, like, I, I disagree, right? I think there is one thing it will do. I think it's inconsequential. In that it won't make any difference to us, but I think there will be some Tory plotting out of this because they love a plot. I think if anybody wants to shove Boris out of the way, then this would be the time, right? You you let him like retire into mm. obscurity, having like valiantly fought the virus in single combat. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I yeah. think in yeah. a lot of ways um, that is probably true, and also it's dispiriting because it, I think that this is everything that Boris always wanted. Like, you know, became MP, and then it was like, oh, and I got a doctor's sick note says I can get out of it, you know, and then he hmm. can just yeah, he's excused games, and all he had to do was almost die. Yeah, I fuck, yeah, I, I was, I wanted to try that every day at Dulwich. <laughs> <laughs> I hear right, Boris like, got out of swimming by saying he was on his period. <laughs> we're going to talk, talk about this a little more later on in the show, right? But, like, all of these journalists who say their, like, brave work has done some Woodward and Bernsteins, you know? They've spent the last, like, ten years making Boris Johnson immune to criticism by turning him into a culture war icon. So, you know, mm. good luck turning your dying industry into a charity because everyone hates you. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, this is just more TF Season 3. We have been proven completely right 
uh, in a way that completely doesn't matter because yeah. it's too late to do anything about. And, and, and of course, we hope for like the best we can hope for is the replacement of Boris Johnson with someone who is like a little bit less lovable to retired property owners. Mm. And and, and, and like say, we uh, we also get the like uh, insult to injury of all of these self same journalists going on Twitter to say, oh, no, please don't don't share the thing that we put behind the paywall because if if you don't pay for your news, then you won't get the kind of great quality news that you've been so used to. Who mm. will fund the columns? People need to know about how Trixie Bell is doing at St. Paul's Girl. Um, also, as, I mean, a, as a brief coder on this, and I apologize yes. for doing Twitter reviews. I was going to leave. Milo, I was going to lead you into this because this is fantastic. Oh, yeah. One of the people blathering on about this is Sathnam Sangara, who, if you're not familiar with him, is just like a huge fucking nerd who writes for The Times, who just like every day writes a new article about how like people used to like give him wedgies and swirlies when he was at Cambridge <laughs> and that's why Cambridge University must be destroyed. And, well, um, when he's right, he's right. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was bleating on about how uh, if you don't pay like for journalism, then all the democracy will die. Democracy dies in darkness shit, basically. <laughs> and I remember that Sathnam Sangra wrote an article about me in 2015 when I ran for the Cambridge <laughs> University Students <laughs> Union presidency as a joke. And wrote this like dreadfully, like ominously serious article about how students aren't taking politics seriously anymore and they're killing democracy. Look at this prick who's ruining democracy at Cambridge <laughs> University. <laughs> and then he's just like, yeah. pr he, he prints in the article the shit that I said, which is of course behind a paywall. So there's this amazing bit where the, the text fades out as he says, and he's proposing that they rename Jesus Green after Professor Mary Beard, henceforth calling it Professor Green, which I think trails out. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, by the way, that's not my favorite Sathnam article. My favorite is one that someone else dug up that I saw that was simply entitled, Oh, the shame of owning a red Ferrari. This is like, right. <laughs> when he's right, he's right. Again, you know, yeah. Should own a yellow Ferrari. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so, you know, sorry, sorry your industry's dying. Boohoo. Yeah, uh, if you maybe maybe if you, you could sell the Ferrari. Maybe you could learn yeah. to code. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, maybe uh, you can stop writing so many articles about how there's too many genders these days. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you could like uh, Look, when stop, you're right, you're right. Stop being a journalist, and instead you can sign up to like do those uh, bathroom inspected by X sheets. You can just start inspecting bathrooms. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, It'd be funny if we ended up with a Juche system, which actually decided to decide how many genders there are. Like, look, there are ten. You can pick one, but there are no more than ten. <laughs> this is Biden's policy, right? There at are least at three. least three genders. Your <laughs> <laughs> gender quota. Oh, he's so fun. Jo Joe Biden, I've been thinking about this. Of gender. I've been thinking about this about Joe Biden. He is, the way to understand him is he is just drunk Jim Leahy. Everything <laughs> he's, he is just, he's just always, he's never completing a sentence. He's always talking sort of a, a little bit ominously. I'm very, very excited for him to get up on the debate stage with Trump and start talking about the winds of shit. It's going to be great. <laughs> my, uh, my one downside to this particular analogy is I don't really want to think about Biden having a dressing up like Indiana Jones fetish. Uh, yeah, no, but who's the B, guys? Who's the Biden, B? Biden tells reporters that, that he's just rehearsing for a play. <laughs> I'm not running for president, I'm rehearsing for a play. Anyway, I want to get on, though, because before we talk about medieval shit, uh, I've got a startup, and it's, a, it's, it's one that's almost charming in its stupidity. Um, it is called uh, Twine. Uh, okay. Okay. 
It's called Twine. Bondage Startup? Literally uh, okay, just Alice, a big ball a re- of twine. That's a register. Okay, uh, Alice mm. guesses it's a bondage startup. Elitor yeah. guesses that it's a $1.4 million venture capital funded ball of twine, yes. which would be marginally <laughs> like, more useful. You know, it's like a virtual roadside attraction. You can like yeah. go online and guess how large this ball of twine is. Uh, that's what oh, I got. Oh, man. I would, I would love nice. if those like old, old timey roadside attractions, like the world's biggest pie or whatever, suddenly yeah. rebranded as tech companies yeah, and got Saudi that's oil all money. all you can use an Oculus for. That's all you can use an HTC Vive for, is you just look <laughs> at the giant ball of twine. Um, uh, Milo, I'd like to hear your guess. Twine, uh, what is, is it? it? Is, it a, is it a subscription, like, wi- monthly wine delivery service, oh. but it's from Yorkshire? Uh, I actually have a monthly wine delivery service. <laughs> oh, I'm not that happy God. with it. Uh, oh, Jesus, I, of course not. Okay, yeah. can I guess to, again? To wine. I find the this I, one's perfect for making gravy. <laughs> <laughs> I find, I find is, the no, no, no. Is this uh, a programming language for writing interactive fiction? No, uh, Nate, your guess. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's either some kind of shitty gardening startup, okay, mm. or it's something related to. I don't know. Something related to... I think you're going to get it. Co- I would say cooking. Like, it would nope. be like some kind of horrible fucking cooking thing that, like, you know, tech teaches you <sighs> how to cook you're in all a more wrong. overbearing way than Blue Apron. You're all wrong, I'm afraid. Uh, this first, the first line of their marketing. Bringing humanity together, one blank at a time. Yes, yeah, the bondage thing. I, I'm, <laughs> I wasn't wrong. <laughs> Eleanor. Um, one click at a time. Uh huh. Uh-huh. How are you spelling click? Is it C L I Q U E or C L I C K? Uh, you. This is a bold of you to assume I can spell in English. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it, do you mean click or clique? Uh, I that mean, could I mean, change the answer. Oh shit! We're gonna. I guess we're gonna go clique. Uh, okay. Yep. That's close. All right. Oh damn. Mm. Okay. Is, it, is it like a? Is it like a family? Like it's a. What's it like ancestry.com, but it's to prove that you're 1% black so you can say the word? <laughs> Bringing yeah. humanity yeah. together oh. one haplogroup at a time. Uh, it's to Milo. prove that you're at least 1% related to Elizabeth Warren. This is some kind of like polycule dating service where it's just like, you know, your polycule meets another polycule and you all just have sex with the eight. It's Eleanor? I always that figured be, that like that one polycule <laughs> meeting another polycule would be like that bit from Shaun of the Dead where they run into the same cast <laughs> with better acting. Oh, like, yeah. Who's the one who does close-up card magic? <laughs> God, polycule people all do close-up. I, oh, God damn mm. it. They're just sex nerds. Sex, sex nerds. nerds. It's, a, it's a whole kind of thing. All right, so here's the three... There are three... Because uh, three lo- all these startups have like a three-line um, here's how we're going to change the world thing. Mm-hmm. Meet amazing humans. Wow. The first um, one. Well, that's like my least favorite kind humans. of humans. <laughs> Meet amazing humans. You know they are human because they are frail and they can bleed when they are cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, Meet, you meet amazing, amazing humans at the enormous pillar of wasp eggs. Let's go. <laughs> Do not bring weapons. Startups love referring to people as humans in a way that makes them sound insane. I blame There's humans. Definitely a of running New York. theme of these. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, 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 it's uh, meet amazing humans, which I'm re- now going to refer to as meet amazing long pigs. We're going to call all humans <laughs> long pig forever. <laughs> um, spark deep convos. They have said convos. Uh, oh, I like it when the convos are deep. Sorry, that's a typo. We meant to say convoys. 
<laughs> Hell yeah, truck simulator time, bitch. <laughs> build community is the third step. So meet amazing humans, spark deep convos, build community. Yeah. What? Any, uh, any last guesses before I tell you what this is? So it's oh, called boy, you, You're going to love the Hanseatic League. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the Hanseatic League. If it's a Hanseatic League app, that's it. I'm signing up. I'm moving what, to Visby. What, what Fuck is, you all. Yeah. What is a Hanseatic enclave if not a large polycule? <laughs> okay. So, our big vision, they say, is to make the world a little less frayed and fragmented. And in this time of crisis, coming together is more important than ever. So, it's a startup bondage. that's capitalizing uh, the coronavirus. Thing. Yep. I think that might be the opposite of what this crisis has taught us, actually. Uh, our day-to-day mission is to bring people together for meaningful one-on-one conversations. Oh, God, uh-huh. again, it's, my it's least phone. favorite kind of conversation. Oh, God, it's chat roulette, isn't it? Yes, yes, oh, that's it, no! Alice, you got it. Oh, yeah! Okay, well, I mean, if it's yeah. chat roulette, that's fine. I'm getting the baps out. Just <laughs> no, ladies, I'm sorry, ladies, that's not allowed. Ladies. Awesome. Jacking it. Because the gentrified chat roulette. It is I hate gentrified this. chat roulette. That's exactly Fuck. right. Oh, I hate this so much. <laughs> it's chat roulette. I'm not for actually people. from chat roulette, but it's really up and coming. It's kind it's, of good vibes. It is essentially <laughs> chat roulette, but for people who want to talk about what inspires them and what no. affirmations they say in the morning. No, okay, I, again, no. The again, point again. The I'm point my tits is out. like you either like. Some either someone's unexpectedly wearing a Spider-Man costume, or like uh, it's a bunch of drunk people laughing at the same webcam. You don't want to do a hackathon on what? So no. Here, here here's more detail. We think authentic conversations are easy to spark because everyone has something in common. Whether that thread is a shared life experience, like becoming a parent. A recent career change, exploring a new idea, or losing someone oh, you no. love. Oh what? no! So they, yeah. they scrape wow. a bunch of your data and then they like try to pair you with somebody. I guess. I mean, in a way, the Ouija board was the original chat roulette. <laughs> <laughs> so this basically sounds like you've taken Omegle, but you've replaced the people jerking off with someone reading off LinkedIn updates. Correct. Yes. <laughs> I'd like to point out that this is nope. basically just another way of jerking off. This is for the kind of yeah. people, this is like <laughs> sapiosexual chat it's roulette. A, yeah, it's a higher level. Can I jump in with with a with, with an anecdote? I was basically very mildly criticizing my hometown of Indianapolis for not having any real defining characteristics besides just like being a city that's big enough to have an airport and a spaghetti factory. <laughs> and the the Indianapolis Chamber of Commerce's uh, Twitter account jumped in and basically chastised me in a very Midwestern way for disregarding Indianapolis's long tradition of what they call servant leadership and a low low cost of entry to start your career. And I basically made the joke. I'm like, yes, but I was talking about like Cincinnati chili. You're making it sound like in Indianapolis, you sit down and eat your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> and like, they were furious with me. And I was like, that nothing could be more Midwest nice and be like, oh, you raised a point of mild criticism about like the cultural sort of, I don't know, like the cultural homogeneity between everything in central Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio. And they're like, how dare you disrespect us? We have low bars to entry in your career. It's just like... <laughs> I would be like... I think that if uh, my hometown, the fair uh, city of Tacoma, chastised me online, um, I'd be A, heartbroken, but also B, really frightened, because it would probably mean that they were going to come to my house and burn it down. Because that's how we so- do it in Tacoma. You fucking, so here, you fucking bitch. You say that Indianapolis has no culture, you bitch. Have you never watched fucking basketball in the used car dealership? <laughs> so, going, going back to this, here's how it works. 
Uh, basically, everyone signs up. It says what they're interested in or what happened to them. So, like, if your what parent died, you that you signed up for this my service. parent died, and then it puts <laughs> you together with with uh, four partners to have eight minute long one to one deep conversations about uh, whatever prompt you pick via video. D- d- um, hmm. and it's a forty minute long digital gathering. We all got put together because it turns out our children were diagnosed with having too much blood, so we're putting one big chat. This is actually <laughs> how Trash Future started, as we all got matched together because we all said that we had large sons <laughs> with disappointments <laughs> to us, and just matched four yeah. of us together. I promise so you the that the idea... word namaste will be said more times in an hour on this website than it ever has been on chat roulette. Well, so I've got a few I got a few props that they've given. Like it's very difficult to find information about this because it's still in a closed beta that only has people from New York and San Francisco on it, lol. Um here are some oh, of the God. example props. Just like after the beta opens. <laughs> are you doing what you've always wa- are you doing what you've always wanted to do? Tell me about your religious and or spiritual beliefs. What's oh the greatest thing about you? So, wait, wait, this is an app version of that terrible post that I hate small talk. I want to talk about magic, sex, religion, dying. You know, that fucking one that was doing the round on Facebook oh, like, yeah. ages ago? Oh, yeah, yeah. no. Oh, like- so this is, this, is an, this is an app for lonely sapiosexuals who all want to quote from that book, Sapiens. <laughs> the rules, right? Like this is this is a public health good. If we can if we can quarantine them all into this app, right? Then so much the better. Oh yeah, we, if not... we can get them on this app, then we can get them off the dating apps. Ideally. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, the, they'll all just be sapiosexual at each other. I take it back. So, uh, this is a wonderful app. <laughs> so Nate, here's the here's this this part's for you. The idea for Twine came from serial entrepreneurs Lawrence Coburn and Diana Rao. Coburn spent the last nine years as founder of a, and CEO of a mobile events technology provider called Double Dutch, which was acquired by a company called Gvent in 2019. However, here's the bit that's for Nate. Rao was co-founder and CEO of Veterati, a digital mentoring platform for veterans that had also leveraged <laughs> one-to-one conversations as part of its community building experience. Oh uh, God! Cool, cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I love that I have a little app on my phone that lets Chris Kyle call me whenever he wants to to talk about whatever's on his mind. <laughs> oh, Listen yeah. up, libs! <laughs> I want to talk to you about writing your CV. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you've got to like, start your own coffee company sometime. Yeah, line one. What you've always wanted to do? Line two. Number of Arabs killed. <laughs> Are, are you doing what you've always wanted to do? Uh, well, I've always wanted to make a terrible coffee brand that somehow is uh, aimed at uh, baristas who uh, have a moment of smugness at my expense yeah. in my imagination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, my, my, I, I need a lot of mentoring to get my uh, to get my business idea of shirts with like aggressive slogans, but also maybe they have a flag on one sleeve to look troop like off the ground. Mm. So here's the here's from a blog post by Coburn. Uh, The high-level thesis for Twine is this. The world is becoming increasingly frayed, fragmented, and lonely, driven by macro forces ranging from political polarization to social media peacocking, the rise of work from home, and the decay of long-standing social support systems like the church. Jesus Christ, this just needs the woke Stasi to be Milo's Brenda. Uh, this, is, this is truly <laughs> impressive because we've got some like Evo Psych bullshit in here already about peacocking, but also at the same time bemoaning the degeneration of the church, which I'm kind of like interested in. So is this like some kind of trad cath Evo Psych 
Like there's just so many layers to this, and they're yeah, all more terrible than the last. Most the thing is, most of these startup people are actually massive reactionaries. And so their solution to like well the problem of alienation and yeah they're basically the problem of alienation the fact that like people are alone and lonely and scared and enervated is man it sure would be nice if we ha- if everyone still went to church without really remembering that like what how the church actually often functioned in the 1960s as like ways to galvanize people to like a- oppose uh uh like busing. It's yeah. wild. Yeah. I mean, it's it's also weird to say that the Catholic Church has degenerated when arguably it hasn't. I mean, at least they started hiding the pedophilia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so, like, you don't do the mass in Latin anymore, and that's what really fucks with these people, right? The uh, Society of Saint Pius the Tenth guys. Uh, that's what they really want is to like do do your religion in like mumbling in a language you half understand. To which I have only to say, become Muslim. I feel like St. Pius was really a victim of nominative determinism. (laughs) So here's the thing, right? This is the other, other the the real theme, something we bring up again and again, which is that this is a bunch of people who've been given some millions of dollars to advance a completely imbecilic technical solution to a social and political problem. Because they've said, Twine's antidote to all this is focused and simple. The meaningful one-to-one conversation delivered by a digital and IRL gatherings. Our mission is to use software to abstract away all the obstacles that stand in the way of having meaningful, high-growth conversations. But how are these things meaningful? It's just small talk with an air of gravitas. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, that's it doesn't matter if it is actually quote-unquote meaningful. What you're selling here is the idea to people that they're having a meaningful conversation so they can go brag about it later. So they can yeah, get on Twitter and tell filling. us all that we're like, uh, you know, small-brained and whatever. And, yeah. You know, Oh god, I'm just mm. imagining a sapiosexual couple just being like, yeah, we met on the brain site. It's like, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sucks. And here's the and just yeah. like any fucking startup vulture, they've all, they've pivoted their thing to have an ostensibly social mission. So they've said, originally, this is a blog post from Rao, cuz I Lord help me, I do the research for these. Uh, originally, we were going to do this with a mobile app that acted as your matchmaker and guide at real-life gatherings, dropping you into no small talk convos. We always fucking say convos. Wait, what? So it's it's just it's just Otacon. <laughs> yeah, it's a codec. Yeah, you get a codec like, that rules. You, yeah, about, yeah. <laughs> dropping you into no small talk convos with different partners in the same room. However, our plans have changed, and like many companies that are finding ways to help people during this crisis. From car manufacturers creating ventilators doesn't work. Vodka distilleries creating hand sanitizer. 3D printers creating masks doesn't work. Restaurants becoming bodegas fired a bunch of people. Uh, We know we Mm. can help too. Fuck off. Yeah. Stop helping. Stop helping. You're making. You're either making it worse, like the people who did a ventilator hackathon and instead created something that blows you up like a balloon, or (laughs) at best you're being completely irrelevant and you're just panicking that you're like first idea you had to cure social isolation which is like a beating off free omegle has somehow become irrelevant because people can't get in the room anymore you're not helping i mean I'm just imagining you you're off. like you're at a party real oh. real proud of them for shooting their shot at elon musk there though they're all like mm. that's a real i hope he sees this king uh, just yeah. thrown right in the middle <laughs> of there but uh fine yeah sure yeah I'm just imagining you're at a party, like chatting up a girl, and then you make some like really maladroit comment that she finds offensive, and then in your earpiece you just get snake, snake, snake. <laughs> By the way, they also take your real ID, so they can ban you if you jack off. 
I totally wow. am going to trust these Amazing. people with my real ID. Cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just like your um, fucking online passport that's connected to everything just gets a big digital stamp mark jerked off. <laughs> uh, so here's the final line of this blog post that I'll read before we move on. As humans, we are oh, meant Christ. to be there for each other. Okay. And one of the most difficult things about socially isolating is that it goes against our nature of wanting to come together to help each other during the hard times. So yeah, give this company all your personal give this company all your personal information, give them your passport, tell them everything that's ever happened to you so that you can like match you up with someone who's going to like, you know, nod at you while waiting to say how like they discovered Zen Buddhism. And then, you know, they're just going to sell it all to fucking Pringles. <laughs> Well, yeah, are you interested in the new flavor of Pringles specially formulated for people who have been caught jerking off on this? <laughs> Put me in touch with this really cool cylindrical guy with a mustache. I mean, a thing that's beautiful about this is they're like, well, it's chat roulette, except that we took out the one feature of chat roulette which everyone liked, which was the checking off. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'd, ra- I'd rather have that. I have to admit, though, as you know, in, in my in the, the recovering alcoholics group that I supervise, it is actually helpful for them to understand that through the lens of Pringles, that once you pop, you in fact cannot stop. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting getting an AA chip that's shaped like a Pringle is a very funny image <laughs> to me. <laughs> well, I, honestly, I think before we carry on, it, it is the point of this is yet another thing is. Uh, Adventure that has had its like that has had the collapse between form and substance, uh, just completely warp whatever it's trying to do. Uh, the idea of like all of these conversations like could e- just as easily be had like clinging to the fence in the smoking area of a nightclub. Like they're basically replacing getting your ear talked off by a guy whose pupils are the size of hams and can't stop sweating and touching his face. Really right. weird shape for a pupil. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? It's 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 anno- it's annoyingly stupid and also sanctimonious, and I hate I hate it, and I'm sorry mm. I exposed everyone to it. Uh, hmm. Unlike this thing on chat yeah. roulette, <laughs> <laughs> which is weirdly the shape of a ham, also. Mm. <laughs> yes, it's all hams, the whole thing, all the way down. Anyway, mm. shall we uh, move on from the present day to the past? Midden's Ooh. advent rides again. There's some loot. No, it's Midden's Advent. Mm. We are we are now we are now you're now listening to Midden's Advent. This is a harpsichord version of Ginsang. Yeah. Ginsus. <laughs> uh, it is it is it, it is it is I, uh Earl Riley, uh sc- creating an illuminated manuscript for you from an undisclosed uh fortified house. <laughs> I mean uh, I, I, Riley, I'm gonna stop you right there because if you're an Earl, you're paying someone to do that. Like, get your get your facts straight. Maybe, maybe he just doesn't like scripts. to delegate. <laughs> yeah, how about this? It's it is it is it is I, the scribe of Earl Riley, there you go. Uh, transcribing this from an undisclosed fortified manor house. Uh, I am here joined uh, by <laughs> all of your scrolls are behind the paywall. I'm I'm here joined by uh by by Nate Debethe, uh laterally of um. A conditary mercenary company. Yeah. <laughs> I, R- Riley, I appreciate your long and storied career as a guilds consultant, but I feel as though we're not we're not at a correct station to be talking about these things. <laughs> uh, and of course, we have um, we have we have Milo. Milo, what Milo? What would you be in the world of Midden's Advent? 
Uh, I, I, I would be uh, a sort of a court, a, a, an itinerant court jester. Mm, I was going to say, I was, thinking, I was thinking of the, the, like, the witty and horny troubadour. We have court. <laughs> Fair maidens cannot resist the jingle of the bells upon his cat. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, also, we also have uh, uh, Alice, Alice de Caldwell Kelly. Yes, uh, good morrow nuncle. A travel who is a traveler from a distant and antique land who will share stories of the god Termagant with us. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, Riley, I'm having a hard time picking. Like, who who do I? Which side of my family do I want to side with? Do I want to be like the the uh, the oft the oft punished and incredibly complicit in slavery down the road Huguenot side, or do I want to be the constantly getting punished by the czar because they saw the Northern Lights Jewish side? Like, mm. which should it be? <laughs> and of course, uh, yeah. we are, I'm afraid the, um, the other traveler from the mystic and distant land cannot join us today, but we are also joined by Eleanor Yanaga, a commentator on current events. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I, I really don't even have a witty comeback. I was just kind of like reflecting in my head. I'm like, well, you know, what would I be in the medieval pet? Period, and the answer is a peasant. I'd be a fucking peasant. Mm, Although yeah. I, I just, I just have a vision of myself just lying perfectly face down in a ditch, <laughs> and just like, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, same, Eleanor, same if you know I'm doing what you now. know now, you'd be a fortune teller. You'd be able to like predict true, all of that. True, true, <laughs> You know, um, and I do have a, a part of my family. You know, not enough that I'm gonna like Elizabeth Warren it and go around uh, saying that I am one, but a uh, part of my Czech family are Sinti. Uh, Roma, and so you know, like there, there could have been there some fortune telling going on at some point in time. A little bit of fortune telling, yeah. you know, the occasional pogrom, you know, pretty chill. Yeah, just, yeah, just saying spice suits. things up. Yeah. Mm, mm. Actually, no, I've decided I'm I'm not uh, an earl's scribe. I'm actually personally uh, a spathero candidatos. Um, <laughs> I've it is one of the sort of middle ranking non eunuch officials of the Byzantine court. I've been getting really into Byzantine bureaucracy recently, just because I find it like probably pretty. <sighs> well, we pretty... let him play Crusader Kings one time. <laughs> no, it's it's after the conversation with Patrick. I keep thinking about um how uh like the the ossification of just bureaucracies that exist to perpetuate themselves for their own sakes and so on are going to be sort of increasingly relevant in a time of. Massive, massive inequality and uh, and 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 uh, cross-cutting loyalties as empires collapse. I mean, I hmm. think that this is also a wonderful time to celebrate the uh, Eastern Roman Empire, as I like to call it, in all its glory, uh, because it is uh, Orthodox Easter today. You know, Christmas oh. Dynasty, everybody. Oh, yeah. Hey. Hmm. Hey. He is spicy. Risen. Yeah. There you go. Uh, although by the time oh, you're yeah. listening, by the time you're listening to this, it will have been Orthodox Easter a few days ago. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, um, he is he is risen and he has been banned from the new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but by the time you're listening to this, it may well be Ramadan, and so the you have the rise and fall of Constantinople perfectly embodied there. We, <laughs> so just, uh, we, take, we take your Easter and we just build a mosque on top of it. So, El Eleanor, yes. I'm, I'm going to start asking you about some medieval stuff now. Mm -hmm. uh, or medieval, or perhaps early modern, or even late antique, which is going to span hundreds and hundreds of years. Because ever since our episode with Patrick, I've been thinking more and more about uh, the transformation of large polities into small polities. Mm -hmm. And since we did that, lots of different subnational entities in the US and UK, so the different state compacts in the states, 
as well as Scotland and the UK, are taking radically different um, approaches that are incompatible with their federal uh, levels to the um, to coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know, first talk about uh, state formation and how you how you see that as having any sort of historical parallels as in the medieval era or before or even shortly after different political entities would disintegrate and form facing different pressures. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, uh, so my area of expertise uh, geographically in the medieval period is the Holy Roman Empire because uh, it rules. uh, um, That's, you know, uh, a technical term. Uh, uh, So one of the things that's really... It rules the papal states. It does. And I mean, one of the things that's really interesting about it is what that means and what it is is constantly in flux, right? So you've got a lot of different like kingdoms and principalities within what the Holy Roman Empire is um, that move around. Uh, And then you've also got the most important ones within that who are the prince electorates, right? So you've got uh, your three bishops and your four various kind of like counts to princes to kings, depending on what time you get Bohemia uh, in there. And they all get to sort of, quote unquote, elect the emperor and then, you know, the pope gets involved. So the thing that's really interesting, and I think I was ranting all this about about this on Twitter the other day. I mean, well, I, I don't think I know because it's like, if it's been a month, I'm ranting about the Holy Roman Empire on Twitter. Uh, but, you know, someone was sharing that there's this map, right, that kind of does the rounds of 16th century Holy Roman Empire that shows all the various tiny little principalities that are um, a part of it. And it's very confusing to us because we kind of go, oh, look, this little principality actually is three pieces is in all these different places. And everyone goes, what a stupid fucking empire. Oh, I can't believe that this empire ever existed. Why would it ever be like this? And it's kind of like, it's sort of like if we were to break down a map of America now and try to look at every kind of boundary line for a Congress person, right? Like, Uh, Yeah, there's a whole lot of like smaller polities within that that are controlled by a like a a lower level individual, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like for the we have this tendency to see things in you know our own times, and we are kind of like poisoned by the concept of empire. Of course, I'm talking about an empire here, but we're like, oh yeah, well the only reason that a country is good is if it's extremely big and it takes up an entire continent, like. Oh, if it if it takes up the entire continent out of Australia, then that is a perfect sense-making country that, yes, we can all agree on. But if it follows, you know, a, a small conglomeration of people and maybe their linguistic line, then it makes no sense. And it's like, mm. well, why is one of those things necessarily better well, we're than back the other? To, we're, we're back to paradox games again. We're back to the idea of border gore and, like, nice clean maps where everything's the same color. Mm-hmm. And, like... Mm. Ask our friends in Pakistan and India how that works out, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. there is this tendency to just go, oh, well, if you can have a nice straight line, then that's always better. Um, And it doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. Um, We do know, though, that within, you know, these particular parts of the Holy Roman Empire, there is... We can't really say, like, nationalism because there isn't really the sort of sense of, like, we are necessarily a nation in one place or another. Um, I can say that my people, uh, the Czechs, are an interesting one because they have, um, you'll be surprised to learn, an axe to grind against uh, German speakers really early on. Uh, and, uh, I mean, a lot of people do, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, and it can be confusing if we're reading sort of like late medieval, early modern things written by Czechs, because they will talk a lot about um, 
you could translate it as the nation because they'll say, oh yeah, like uh, the chick Yazik. Um, but Yazik can also mean tongue or language. So it's like when we look at that and say, oh, well, they're talking about nationalism. They're talking about the Czech nation. Uh, that's one thing. But they could also just be like, no, we're talking about Czech speakers, uh, which, you know, the Hussites famously do a lot of uh, war and religion based on that later. So there is kind of... Weirdly, there's loads of passages about just going around Prague offering girls wallets of silver <laughs> coins to come back to my party. Mm. <laughs> um, so I think one of the one of the things that we can sort of pull pull out of this is is i'm i'm always interested in the in ongoing processes right how Mm because you talked about like about nation formation how these things happen sort of slowly and it's these clean lines aren't there Mm -hmm. do you see uh a pair a parallel process happening with um say subnational groups like different state compacts or sort of scotland being a national sub federal group um thinking of themselves as more to do with one another than to do with their larger countries? I mean, I think, uh, so I've got uh, a a very affirmative answer to this because, you know, again, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I try to get my I'm a Tacoman content in like really early. No one ever knows what I'm talking about. And then there'll always be like three other people from Tacoma on Twitter like, yes, bitch, I'm drunk. Uh, But, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm from uh, the fair state of Washington in America originally. Um, And we have up in the Northwest what we consider to be a really real concept, which is Cascadia. Mm-hmm. Um, which you y'all may have heard of, but we like to talk about it all the time. Um, and we have this concept that there is a real contiguous culture from about Northern California up to, and like it could go into BC, but you know we're always trying to pretend like we're Canadian, and Canadians are always like, please leave us alone. Um, and so we really see ourselves as having a distinct American culture within. Um, America, and we see ourselves as having, you know, a particular way of being and particular ways of acting. Um, and so, I was completely unsurprised to see, you know, Washington, Oregon, and California all being like, "Yeah, look, this is uh, this is what we're doing over here." It's, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, and I've long ranted about how um, within America, it doesn't actually make sense to try to group an entire continent of places and disparate people together in order to do one thing. You never see shit like that in the medieval period, right? Like mm-hmm. partially because, you know, you just simply can't rule a bunch of land that big when you got to go everywhere on horse and boat. But it's just like, it's just not feasible that you could ever have that many people and be like, oh yeah, you all agree on this, right? Like when you've got totally different climates and totally different ways of um, looking at religion and this sort of thing, right? So that makes perfect sense to me. And it definitely fucking makes sense for stuff like Scotland to go their own way because it's like, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but Scotland didn't really want in. On the whole, oopsie whoopsie accidentally funded the Darien scheme too much, uh, destroyed the economy, and now we have to do the Treaty of Union. Feeling grace about this, absolutely no repercussions down the line. Yeah, I mm. mean, and I'm not sure if you guys um, have heard of this, but there's this concept of a Northern Ireland that gets bandied about a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, a lot of these yeah. things are... Double over here, two Irelands. <laughs> and so, he, we kind of was, accept that, but it's it's like really, really new and weird, you know? So the, the fracturing of these sort of large powers and yeah. sort of potentially being replaced sort of like local, more more localized forms of authority. It's not really it's not really new. And I think what's really interesting is we're seeing this almost like a reversion to type, as though large 
I, I wonder if we're going to see rather a reversion to type as these large, concentrated, uh, capitalized countries just become difficult to manage in the same way from border to border. And we're going to get something a little more, if not formally, than administratively like the Holy Roman Empire. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think that that's a bad thing personally. I mean, and obviously I'm obligated to say that as a Holy Roman Empire stan, but it's not necessarily a bad idea to have kind of like one overarching uh, conglomeration that theoretically takes all of these things into consideration, but allowing things to be kind of run more practically on a local level, because on a local level, you can actually understand what's going on with the population, you can respond to things more quickly. Larger states have to have larger government apparatuses that can move in a much more clunky way. Um, Different kinds of eunuchs that all get used as toilets by different people, depending on what color (laughs) robe they wear. I know. Exactly. And I mean, um, it's it's also kind of tricky. Like I'm using, I'm throwing the word government around here. And, uh, you know, that is also a bit of an anachronism if we're talking about medieval things, because with the exception of like our good friends over in the Eastern Roman Empire and their many eunuchs and their riots over chariot teams and all that good stuff, you don't have like the rulers really offering anything to anyone. It's like, yeah, you pay taxes, but you don't get anything back for that. It's not like, oh, yeah, here's your taxes, king. And they're like, ah, here you are, um, like, nice roads, and also your kid can go to school. Like, that's not the way things work. So it's like... One of the few nation states that's actually had two few genders. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I I think that... The way that we we tend to kind of look at things now, it presupposes a government structure. But, you know, I also think that it's it's also one of the reasons that we look down on medieval history generally now. You know, like, why I'm constantly screaming at people about how you are not smarter than medieval people or whatever. is that we tend to look at medieval, you know, states and things and go, well, this is really fractured and small. This is necessarily bad because we live in this kind of, like... Uh, post-imperial world where we're like, ah, the good thing is the giant Im- imperium that it's constantly crushing brown people into dust under its feet, and that's how you know it's good. That's some good government right there. And um, because the medieval period isn't doing that, it's necessarily like a bad or backwards. Um, hmm. But yeah, it's Much like... worse at crushing, crushing brown people. Still yeah. tries, and, not so great and, at it. And in fact, I think this leads me quite neatly into the, ne- into the next thing I was thinking about, right? Which is uh, as we as, as we undergo sort of these seismic transformations, um, we we are going to see a, lo- a couple of morbid symptoms, you know. Um, mm. And you know, it's what what I find interesting is that is that around around the transformation of the medieval world into the early modern world, the transformation of late antiquity into the medieval world, and so on. You get you get like weird mass hysterias, religious zealotry, dancing plagues. And again, what I see in the U.S. now, people rushing out and like throwing themselves into a meat grinder so they can buy an I'm <laughs> with stupid shirt and go to Applebee's. I kind of see the same something in parallel here. Yeah, I mean, I think um, that there there is this kind of like inability to accept change that happens in societies generally, right? Uh, which, you know, of course, it change is uh, scary, frightening. Uh, where will I be able to have like what is it it's the one dollar margaritas <laughs> exactly yeah. right i want to go to outback no rules <laughs> just right no rules just right <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. the, the thing that's absolutely hilarious about all the americans who are absolutely willing to die in order to you know eat fried food um is that these are exactly the same people who've been spending the last 20 years or so like stockpiling because they're sure that they're going to make it through like this inevitable collapse they're all like prepping Right. They're out here mm. like 
prepping for some like mass hysteria event and they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to survive. Me and my guns and my my tin chowder are going to make it through. And then it's like three weeks in and they're like, please, I need Baskin Robbins. And it's like extraordinarily <laughs> wild, you know? Well. What a lot of people don't know is that what the Crusades were actually about was that the Saracens came into Jerusalem and they went into the branch of Wendy's there and took the Baconator off the menu because it was around. <laughs> and so the Pope had to respond. And I mean, uh, so, you know, my my favorite people, late medieval people, you know, they have a lot of fucking freakouts about this stuff. Um, so, you know, you do get your dancing plagues and stuff. You get your flagellants, uh, just to bring it back to mm. like uh, some light... Uh, BDSM sort of stuff, who are just like, oh, well, okay, if God is going to kill us all, and his point is that we want to suffer, what if we do, like, really public suffering, uh, and we just, like, strip to the waist and beat our backs in the street, and then go sleep in the woods together, where it's definitely not an orgy, but maybe it is. Mm. Um, <laughs> kind of a thing. Unless. So, um, like, they're, they're, <laughs> you get these, like, weird enthusiasms um, that they come up with, mm. and, you know, that that are kind of like trying to plug back into this idea of like, okay, well, if you explain all the bad stuff happening by God is mad, it's like, okay, well, I can show God that yes, indeed, I've been a very naughty boy in this way. Like you can, there, there are these ways of kind of uh, trying to get around that. Um, you know, it's, with stuff like the fall of Rome, it's really one of those things that I'm kind of obsessed with because we look at it and we go, oh, look, Rome definitively fell. But you, would, you wouldn't be able to tell that to the people. At the time, they'd be sort of like, well, I don't know, man, like, Applebee's is still here, you know, so it has, has society fallen apart, you know, that kind of thing. It's more like, it's something that's really easy for us to do a couple thousand years later, but they wouldn't necessarily see it like that. But there is, of course, like, unrest, and there is an unraveling of particular institutions and, like, ways of paying. But much like one of the things that's happening now is one of the things you see at when the Roman Empire unravels is people don't want to pay tax anymore. Because they're like, oh, I don't know what I'm getting in exchange for this tax. And uh, Rome is like, I don't know, aqueducts and, you know, we'll chase those uh, German speaking people away from you. And they were like, yeah, no, uh, I would simply elect to hire my own guards out on my farm. And I don't need the state to do that for me. And we're kind of seeing that same thing here now where there's a lot of like, well, why am I paying taxes? if the, the, the You know, and it's like, well. Yeah. We have hospitals oh, yes. to continue Li run. Libertarian Roman guys, very powerful energy. I'm just imagining <laughs> him like campaigning to have the age of consent lowered to like three. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, yeah, so it's like you do have you definitely yeah. see like libertarians in the Roman Empire and this kind of thing. So we are seeing a lot of that same kind of like energy at the moment. Yeah, well, I think it's the it is the energy that it is like I said morbid symptoms earlier. You know, I'm not using that sort of just as a throwaway term, like. We are. These are the strange outgrowths of the trend of the grinding to halt of one system and the replacement of that system with another system. Probably yeah, worse. But, probably slowly. But yeah, go ahead. But my, the, the, also, the fact that it's it's late, right? If we're just going from a a purely sort of Marxist thing of this happens and then this happens and then this happens because of material causes, and Marx wrote it all down in Capital and it's going to happen this way. We're kind of overdue, right? Like we've been waiting for a while uh, for for some socialism to happen, and it's kind of been the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime, right? It it has not barked, and it's uh, like I I feel like the morbid symptoms that you describe are kind of an outgrowth of that of that like we've as a society become so successful at atomizing ourselves and at avoiding change and at even like 
hiding the really grim stuff. Like you, you don't see. You didn't see until now a lot of bodies stacked up at once, right? Until you saw the drone footage of, um, uh, like, from Governor's Island in New York. Uh, I feel like you don't have that kind of that like safety valve of uh, once in a while there's some serious fucking strife happening. Instead, that's quite like uh, quite easy to ignore, and it, it, instead it just kind of builds and it builds and it builds until you get something that is not really possible to ignore, and that's and that's kind of led to these really weird, perverse outcomes. I think. Yeah, and I mean, I think that one of the things that we have been really successful at as a society in terms of keeping this kind of like moribund society going is uh, we got that Panamint Circensis things down, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like bread and circuses is covered. Um, and one of the reasons that you tend to start seeing people get real mad and start kind of like... Um, moving around and willing to do things uh, from a military standpoint. Um, well, not necessarily military, but like take up well, arms. Willing, when willing they're to hungry. parody and redacted, as yeah. we like to say. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, that's when, when people get hungry, you know, mm. or when people get, when they don't see themselves as ever having, um, you know, any bright spots to look out for. And one of the things that our particular society has been quite good at is like manufacturing like little treats. You know, like, ooh, you know, Amazon exists. Oh, we and, know. Yeah, and you can always have your little treat. You can always have, like, you know, your cheaply made, you know, plastic thing from China. And, you know, like, so there's, you know, enough to kind of, like, keep you entertained and keep you realizing that you are kind of a cog on the better in the better end of the machine, right? It's like, even if you're... Wish.com is the backbone of this economy. <laughs> well, you joke, people, spend, kind of. people will keep supporting it as long as they can have the little device that straightens your toenail. I spend um, <laughs> so much time, you know, just being entertained by the fact that Wish exists. I love trying to guess what things are, right? Mm. So, you know, yeah. there, there is kind of, you know, that, I would say. But also, at the same time, we can't go too far because, you know, one of the annoying things that you keep seeing referenced and that I'm constantly losing my shit over... Um, is people could be going like, oh, well, this is like the Black Death, and after the Black Death, there was the Peasants' Revolt, and things actually got better for workers. And I'm like, yeah, not really, actually. Yeah, like, we go into that a little more, in fact. Yeah, so um, one of the things that happens uh, with the Black Death, uh, my first great medieval love, um, is that, so, you know, you have, you know, figures vary, but 25% of the world's population dies, right? Um, so laborers are able to get uh, better wages uh, for their labor. So, um, in particularly like, uh, agricultural laborers here in England, uh, you see a jump in a few denarii like per day of work, which is pretty good. Um, but, and then, so people look at that and they go, ah, ha ha, see, you know, um, things did improve it for workers as a result of the Black Death, which is like, sure, but those wages go up sort of 30 years after the Black Death happens. And there was, like, a lot of agitating for that, and a lot of people going, well, Jesus Christ, could we get some more money? There's, like, no one else to plow. How am I still getting paid so little, right? Um, so there's that. And then those same wages stagnate for 150 years. So you see them get that kind of, like, bump, you know, 20, 30 years after the fact, and then it just sits there. So it's like, okay, it's not like... This isn't like some kind of Whiggish dream. It's not like, and then it went up and up and up year on year because there was so much trust in what the system would be. It's like, yeah, it goes up a little bit and then it just sits there. So that's not necessarily Thanks. great. But Eleanor, what Can happened to the line faster. during this time? <laughs> the line, they're like, line go up. Uh, and, you know, there was, uh, so there is that. I mean, and I'm not saying that it doesn't exist, but what I am saying is that um, how great it was is vastly and overly 
stated. Um, I mean, the other thing that people like to talk about is uh, the peasants' revolt. Uh, here in England, uh, there is a kind of corresponding revolt over in France uh, called the Jacquerie Rebellion, um, where the peasants get pissed off because, again, they get like this one initial uh, bump in wages and then they don't get anything else. And they're also kind of like tired of being unfree uh, and they're tired of, you know, uh, all those lords swanning around the place acting like they're better than them, etc. So, you know, um, here they take London, uh, they burn down the Savoy Palace, they free everyone from jail, they like kill every courtier they can find, which is really, really sweet. Uh, and they do a pretty good job <laughs> of all of this. Uh, but then it kind of like falls apart really quickly as a rebellion. Um, and mm. everyone kind of gets like massacred. Ma like they by didn't, royal forces. The problem was they didn't say parody enough. So the medieval <laughs> FBI was just on them like that. They were. And you know, um, at first it was like the, the medieval FBI were just like, there's no way this bunch of rubes is going to do anything. And then they were like, oh shit, they mean it, you know. And uh, The feudal bureau of investigation. <laughs> <laughs> but so like, um, it's, and it is like, oh yeah, the peasants revolt, you know, we like to look, I like to look at it and be like, yes, my people extremely get it. But the point, but they were like massively suppressed afterwards and things got you know really locked down and it didn't improve for a really really long time so you know we have to be careful of taking historical lessons like one of the reasons why history is useful is that we can track things over hundreds of years and say okay yes things did definitively get better but the problem with that is that we now like to kind of compress what that time is and go oh well this happened then this happened so people keep like looking to what's happening in this pandemic and go oh yeah well and then we'll see some good things afterwards like when the black death happened and it's like well the good things that you're talking about like you know when people talk about the art movement of the renaissance happening after the black death it's like bitch that happened 150 years later <laughs> like you know history's it, not just one damn thing after another yeah there's big yeah, gaps i mean i, mean, I I, I feel like one really funny thing here, and I say funny in the most black-pilled way, is that that kind of historical timescale, where like there's maybe 150 years between a thing happens and another thing happens, and in between everything's just kind of chilling, is rushing headlong into uh, climate science timescale. <laughs> oh god, it's true. Oh god. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. This is really going to improve things in about 150 or so years for whatever, like, irradiated cockroaches to live yeah, on the planet. I, I, I love to think about soil death, and then I love to think, well, don't worry. We've looked at the history, and in, like, maybe a couple of generations, there might be enough going on to, like, change a couple of things, maybe. This is why people are worried about the genders question, because, you know, the Romans had Heliogabulus, and then the uh, fucking Nazis invaded Czechoslovakia. I'm just so into this idea of, like, badly compressing historical timescales and be like, oh, yeah, you, 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 do, you import uh, this weird Thracian deity, and then right after that, the gas prices go up. Exactly. Like, of course. <laughs> I mean, um, I have uh, had people really fucking mad at me on Twitter uh, for pointing this out, like, for writing stupid articles and being like, um, actually, you guys, you know, and in my extremely nerd voice, but I've had people who are deadly mad at me for pointing out that, like, things didn't really improve after the Black Death and your life isn't going to get better as a result of this. Like, it's, 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 almost as, it's almost as though you have to take seriously the idea that events aren't going to move history for you. Yeah. Right? Like... It's it's the same it's the same thing. I, I I always like to talk about the New Deal in this kind of way as well. Like the New Deal didn't happen because the Great Depression happened. The New Deal happened because the Great Depression happened, 
and organized labor was enough of a force in America to make sure that like at least some bare minimum social democracy got done. Like these these policy decisions and political decisions don't just arise in a vacuum from circumstances. Yeah, you, you uh, however, can't be you can't be a left com, right? You can't just sit in your big comfy armchair and be like, well, Marx says, and once again. I'm a Marxist, but you can't be like, this is inevitable, therefore I can just kind of chill. The fact that, uh, whether you believe or not that uh, a Marxist material analysis is uh, like an accurate one, it doesn't absolve you of the responsibility to actually participate in that class struggle, right? You have to, you have to do the thing, and all, all it's telling you is what your kind of yeah. your broader economic role is. Yeah, you have to keep manufacturing so I, more and more genders to accelerate. Yeah, exactly. You have to, you so have, want to, you have to unionize the dick sucking factory. So I want to, I want to move on to one, one more, one more, one more topic that's a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, which is another way in which 2020 seems to be yet again resurrecting uh, some medieval tropes from the large body disintegrating into a bunch of subnational bodies. <laughs> the large sun. <laughs> the large sun of the Holy Roman Empire uh, to the uh, questions about the plague and the labor market and so on. Is there's a very, again, this is a very, this is a very like medieval studies uh, 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 point to draw. But uh, and there was this writer, I've talked about him before on the podcast, Ernst Kantorowicz, who's written this book, The King's Two Bodies, in 1957, where he talks about answering the question of how did the personage of the king help disentangle a community built around Christendom into a secular entity called the state? And the core argument behind this double-bodied sovereign so that, is that the king has a physical body that lives and dies, but also that he represents the legitimate authority not connected to the church, a body politic. The king's body, so goes the theory, was essential for the state formation because it acted as a kind of totem. Eleanor, have I gotten that more or less right? Please that correct me if I'm wrong. That is a very, very good uh, synopsis. Um, if you were one of my students, I would write very good on it. Yes. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in the back of the class. I'm holding up my right hand with my left hand saying, ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like and fr from this, we get the early modern stuff like Hobbes, right? Now, yeah. like... Our theory of statecraft. Yeah, Calvin mm. actually came later. <laughs> uh, that's true. That's, that's, that's right, Milo. He yeah, literally uh, true. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're all such fucking so, nerds. So here's the thing. Um, what I find hilarious is that this trope, the idea of the the leader as uh, the leader as embodying a nation theoretically with this, but the the imagined community the, of the body politic has kind of been thrown into reverse by Boris Johnson getting coronavirus <laughs> and right-wing columnists being really stupid about it. Mm. We've, we've gone from the king and the land are one to the land must, like, prop up the king. It's yes. like, yeah. not, not to, like, we shouldn't be too Eurocentric about this, right? Like, we're also just talking about the idea of the mandate of heaven, right? And yeah. we've, we've reversed that too. We, we, have, we have the country trying to, like, prop up this sort of uh, mercurial sovereign, and it's the opposite of the way it's supposed to work. So what the fuck happened? Yeah, I mean, that is, like, Alice, bang on what I would say about it that I'm finding really interesting is, like, because it is a sort of, like, inversion of the mandate of heaven or, um, you know, here in Europe, we would call it the concept of divine right, right? Which is like, 
the king's political body exists because um, heaven wants that, right? Like, the reason that he gets to rule is because heaven uh, is like, oh, shit, that's my boy right there. Uh, and so I made him especially to be the king because that's what I like. Mm. But we're kind of and doing... he cures your disease. He cures your scrofula yeah, by will... touching you. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to go, I'm going to bow this down, one. and it's going to happen. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so it is kind of like an opposite thing, because what, what the newspaper columnists are asking Boris to do is, like, he, we're supposed to be curing him by, like, uh, acting like Tinkerbell. Like, you know, it's like we're supposed to go out and clap for Boris or whatever, and then it's like, oh, the clapping will, will you know, bring him back to life. And it's like the nation then embodying Boris in this other way. Um, so but- before we carry on, before we carry on, sorry to interrupt you, Eleanor, yeah. I just want to give us the source material so we know what yeah. we're talking go, about. Go, 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 yeah. So I'm so, just so uh, mad all the time. Oh, I'm like, I know. It, it just, it's episode they- title is Boris's Reverse Scrofula. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Alison Pearson uh, wrote a column in the Telegraph that said, we need you, Boris. Your health is the health of the nation. Really saying the quiet part loud. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Charles yeah. Moore wrote in the Telegraph a very short, because he writes these articles that are just like whatever, th- whatever thoughts are left over after is like, three-volume encomium to Margaret Thatcher. Uh, He wrote, Following Boris Johnson's career from Fleet to Downing Street, I've often commented on his odd genius. Um, So it has been with Boris's brush, well, more than brush, with COVID. When it was announced just over a week ago that he had been admitted to hospital, I thought of the last line of the second volume of Lord of the Rings. Frodo was was alive but taken by the enemy. (laughs) In other words, the situation was dreadful, and yet the back of my mind was the knowledge that the third volume, The Return of the King, was yet to come. (laughs) I'm just doing the high Tory version of read another book, (laughs) read another book. (laughs) I believe, though without any medical evidence to support my theory, that number 10's, uh, our own number 10's Frodo, Boris, would evade his captors. (laughs) I believe that he will do so in political terms too. To a remarkable degree, Boris and the country are now at one. Uh, can I uh, can I just jump in and say something really quickly? Go for it. Okay, so look, first of all, what as as an American living here, and Eleanor, maybe you feel the same way, I don't know, it is very strange to me that in a country that still has managed to have divine right of kings and basically have a hereditary monarch that it incorporates into its government as opposed to just being a symbol, that instead of rallying around that fucking monarchy, we're just rallying around the dumb, horny, bumbling schoolboy prime minister that's been installed by capital. Like the idea that, that, that these people in the face of also tone, pe- tone policing everyone on, under the sun if they don't respect the monarchy and fucking, you know, right wing British institutions are completely disregarding that. That's really strange to me. But then also I'd say, I want to read you a tweet from Alison Pearson that I just happened to save for posterity, you might call it that. <laughs> dated, dated March 13th, 2020, in which she said, a New York friend, banker husband and three kids, all self-isolating, college is closed. Isn't it wiser, as the United Kingdom is doing, to let some people get coronavirus so we start to build herd immunity while protecting vulnerable people? Uh, so, mm. small. the idea... It's, so basically, Boris Johnson got the disease that nearly felled him, and by extension, the state, because of herd immunity, a thing which she was encouraging. And now she's going to turn around and be like, oh, well, the state the state depends on this person. They're one and the same. You know, we must defend them at any cost against any, you know, 
uh, against any circumstances. And it's like, you do realize that the reason why he's sick and the reason why he almost died is because of the same dumb shit that you were basically yeah. touting. Also, and I, and my final point is, I, I can't stop laughing that, she, that Alison Pearson would be like, you know, so fucking hung up on being a, just a right-wing apparatchik for this fucking government that she would then turn around and be like, my friend in New York doesn't want to die from coronavirus, but isn't that the wrong answer? I mean, isn't Britain smarter somehow? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, these people are all clowns. If I might add a brief anecdote about Charles Moore, I was once in a meeting with him where at the end of the meeting, he just took out a huge wad of 20 pound notes and began counting them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sure, normal why not? Thing. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, I was, I think I'd like to bring, bring this all around a little bit actually earlier, right? Where I said like the where like I said the, the, that Boris Johnson is very hard to like dislodge from this point of view because he's basically been made along with Donald Trump and Bolsonaro and stuff into these religious figures by like the media basically making them culture war totems. Yeah, he doesn't and, have a little, he doesn't have a slave to tell him he's mortal while he's at yeah, the triumph. He, but but more more to the point though, right? I I think that this is what we're do, what we're seeing. This is why it's the king's body thrown into reverse is we are seeing a kind of unique nation that exists only in the home counties. So it's not a geographical nation, but it's still an imagined community, just like any nation is, of people who see themselves as the real British who want to like, like, you know, deport Owen Jones or whatever. And that yeah. he is there and that it is essentially conservatism has taken on the same um, uh, characteristics as medieval Christendom. And this is why the reverse of the king's body is happening, as it's all <laughs> snapping back into Boris Johnson and Donald Trump and stuff as the yeah. personified version of their anger towards, again, baristas that they imagined have enjoying a moment of smugness at their expense. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's the Big Bang pulling back into itself. Yeah, I'm so taken by this idea of like uh, reaction just being this kind of this nation in reverse. I like that a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think that what the, the the reactionaries have kind of done here is that it's like they're focusing so much on, you know, the political body of Boris Johnson that they kind of forgot he has a physical one as well that can get coronavirus. Mm. They're like, oopsie. Well, we've been joking about him being the emperor of man from Warhammer 40k. <laughs> they, they forgot about that ass. I mean, well, and, and partially, you know, like, the, this is the thing. It's like, you know, the fucking Etonians that run any, everything, when they came up with this, like, oh, yeah, we'll just do herd immunity and uh, to own New York or whatever. Um, like, they came up with this idea and they were like, well, we will suffer no consequences from this because I've literally been, you know, shielded from consequences my entire life. I don't even know what a consequence <laughs> is. And they were. You have merely adopted being shielded from consequences. <laughs> <laughs> and so That's it's right. Like, I was born to it, literally. They yeah, just did you see Dominic Cummings run out of the front oh door of number 10? Just hook on that the basis shit to my veins. Like, yeah. Because mm. someone may have coughed near him, and then he got the coronavirus. So amazing! I mean, it's yeah. just comrade coronavirus. They yeah. really just thought that like a coronavirus would uh, like ask to see your CV first, and it turns <laughs> out that it wasn't going to. And they were like, yeah. "Oh shit!" You know. And so again, it is like you know the reverse of everything because uh, the focus has been so automatically on the political body here that it's never yeah. taken into consider the fact that the physical body still exists. Like. This is why it makes way more sense to rally around Donald Trump as a figurehead for this, because like he is genuinely a Chad, whereas all of these guys are just like big nerds. Yeah. And like yeah. Donald Trump can't get the coronavirus because he's too powerful. Like if he did get the coronavirus, he would just be over it in like twenty four hours, and he'd be like, "I've got a very powerful body." 
the virus. It can't stop me. It's one of the most powerful bodies that I've ever seen. I believe. I believe profoundly that Donald Trump's body is somehow too wet to sustain the coronavirus, and like any cell. Yeah, it just like it just slides loose of him, and it's just like yeah, he's like feeling pretty good actually. I mean, uh, so, but, so we've got kind of like the Chad uh, Boris Trump versus the Virgin, like the Virgin UK, and I don't, I don't even know what to make of this here because uh, it's like definitely Boris is a kind of nerdier version of Trump, where it's like all the bad hair and all that stuff, but also like pretending that he's good at Latin, which he's not. Yeah, I was gonna say probably so. speaks about as good Latin. Uh, however, oh, I saw my just as an aside, just very very quickly. Uh, I, yes. I my favorite detail from when he we got all of the like stories about how his aides were sending him like love actually and shit to watch and in, in, in hospital. One of them said he prefers reading Greek poetry, oh, and I'm fuck like, off. yeah, no, sure, of course he does. Yeah, of course he does. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So the king, the king has two bodies, but uh, this one has a pocket protector on it. It's a big nerd. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, Eleanor, I'm going to hit give final judgments to you. Dun, dun, dun. So, what are your final judgments? Uh, my final judgments here are that, like, uh, uh, yeah, shit's fucked, bro. Uh, mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, uh, but the, the thing of it is, um, we kind of just, my final judgment and my final thing that I always want to say to everyone about this is, unfortunately, we're just going to have to live through this. And we are going to have to be the part of history that gets skipped over and that people kind of gloss over. And there isn't going to be uh, any really handy and, you know, bright takeaway that when we just have to do this. And it sucks. You can't historicize your way out of a plague. Uh, but what you can do is make fun of Boris Johnson constantly. Hmm. So we have that. <laughs> and, right. yeah. look forward and, and, to. and as far as politics goes, like, I, I just want to come back to my thing. You still have to do the thing. You still have to do the politics, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, that's right. And we're we're actually, I mean, one of the things that that oh, could. But mom, <laughs> <laughs> eat, eat your vegetables, right? Yeah, I, I think yeah. a lot. I think a lot about um, uh, Soviet time capsules from the sixties that they've dug up now. They're actually, a powerful hauntological artifact. But they dug up these messages. Oh, it's Castle Thunder. Oh fuck! I don't have the Castle Thunder. Whatever. Yes. Nonetheless, <laughs> they, they, they all of the, like they had Soviet uh, Soviet citizens of the fifties and sixties write to as they called them comrade descendants, and they said, amongst other things, that they they felt blessed to live in heroic times. And I think if if you can uh, uh, put yourself in a in a historical context. Uh, and and you want a way of making yourself feel better, then even knowing that the way that that turned out, uh, that kind of belief in as late as the fifties and the sixties that you are building communism and your descendants will be living it, uh, that that kind of possibility that is open to you, that kind of that kind of hope is open to you, and you have to do the thing and you have to unionize the dick sucking factory. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like right. we are we are here and uh, we can get down to the dick sucking factory right now with union cards and we can actually make a difference. And that is mm-hmm. and it's actually a, a really wonderful thing. Uh, but yeah. unfortunately, you can't fucking skip that. We're just gonna have to do it. Yep. yep. So. I think with that, it is for me to say, firstly, Eleanor, thank you very much again for your now third appearance on the show. Hey, thank you, sluts. I absolutely love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and to also say, you know what it is. We got t-shirts. We got uh, two of our hosts appear. You can find those in the description. There'll be instructions. We got two of our hosts appearing on other podcasts. It's Well There's Your Problem on YouTube and Hell of a Way to Die 
on all podcast apps. So check those out. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're already on the Patreon. So thank you. Uh, I forgot mm. to do the nighttime voice. And uh, <laughs> our theme song is Here We Go by Jin Sang. Uh, but before that, Eleanor, is there anything you want to plug or shall people just follow you on Twitter? Uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter, but um, over at my blog, I've got my own goddamn Patreon going now. So um, if you want to help out a girl who is not going to get to mark A-levels this summer, which is uh, yes. one of the ways I keep the lights on, um, and you like my bullshit, uh, that would be helpful. Thanks. Keep Eleanor in candles. Woo, uh, woo, they're, a precious, woo. they're a precious commodity here in the Midden's Advent times. <laughs> um, okay, I think... <laughs> Uh, I think that's about yeah. it for oh, us. Oh, buy a shirt. I've already said buy, buy a shirt. Shirts. I've already said oh, buy a shirt. Well, I'll, I'm saying it again. Yeah, yeah, buy a shirt. Buy a second buy shirt. shirt. Yeah. For fashion it into pants. Someone, <laughs> someone this week genuinely bought a second shirt. Fair enough. I love yeah. it. B- buy, so, buy, yeah, buy, be, be buy, like him. Yeah, buy our Mittens Advent Gambeson. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I would. All right. All right. Later, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.